This is Real Life with Kevin West. Over the next few minutes, I want to, today kind of capsulizes our Psalm 85 that we've been doing over the last 85 days, and I've taken this on a really long journey uh, for 85 days, I realize that, and if you've been here on Wednesday nights, you'll know what I'm talking about, because sometimes on Wednesdays we're able to get into this thing a little thick. Um, even this past Wednesday was just, whew, uh, if you're not able to be here on Wednesday, I understand, you just might want to go back and watch some of those uh, on, the, on the app, we have those things archived for you, and watch some of those over the last 85 days. But today I want to I want to recap, but I want to kind of launch us or thrust us in to the reality of the times that we're living, and then I want to um, take communion here in just a few moments and, and do it in a way that perhaps if you've taken, uh, who has never had communion with us here at the church before? Just raise your hand if you've never had it. Oh, good. There's a lot of it. Man. So we, we either need to do it more often or you all need to come more often, one or two. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's probably, probably, probably on us, though, to be honest, we need to do it more often. Um, but I say all that to say we're going to kind of thrust us into, I've, I've kind of learned how uh, the, the church world kind of works with a rhythm of culture. And I used to spend a lot of times in my early days, young days and ministry days, trying to change everything that was happening. And then I realized that it's, rather than trying to change it, like for example, you know, you know, trying to have a revival, three, three or four nights of revival, the first two or three days of December is foolish. Nobody's coming, right? Having a bunch of church meetings all the time when people are tired and worn out is just it's foolish. And then you get mad at the people because they can't come. And quite honestly, many times we had so many church services as I was growing up because we were afraid people were going to sin. And we felt like if we would hurry up and keep them in church, they wouldn't sin that much. So we just tried to occupy the time. So we had service on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and we'd have prayer meeting on a Monday night and Tuesday night. Uh, we'd find something to do. Uh, Wednesday night, Thursday night, choir, and everybody came to choir, as everybody sang. Not all could sing, but everybody did sing. <laughs> so it was Friday, Saturday, and back at it again on Sunday. And then what you did on Friday and Saturday, you had to repent on Sunday, and you're okay if you were able to make it through the next two days. And that's how it kind of went. So... But I've kind of learned over the course of life, we have to learn to live life. And not only live life, but thrive in living life. And that means when things happen in your life and have setbacks and things get jolt you and rock you, uh, even this past week, I'm watching people, uh, and I want to say this delicately, because I'm watching this, this is happening, just people that I know, not even from, from our church, but people that I'm associated with and connected to, I'm watching people get on the threshold of what they have lived for their whole life and what they prayed for their whole life. Five bad relationships, God brings you in a good one, and for whatever reason, you you, you self-sabotage it. And you get here, and then you pull them away, and before you know it, my God, you just made this one just like the other five. And I'm watching people do this over and over again, and a piece of that is not the person's fault. We've been taught a certain way in our life. And if I told you just how valuable and how critical God is not only wanting you and needing you and desiring you in the times that we're living, this morning I was in my office and the director's in there with me and I know he thinks I'm crazy, but I was listening to 
I was going back and listening to music from the Great Depression days. Right? I had Great Depression, you know, back in the 30s, and I was, I was re-listening what led up to that, and I was listening to music and, and, and people singing. Times were tough. You know, slavery was going strong. People were moving, and there was migration that was happening from the north, from the south to the north to get some, some opportunity. So I was reading all that, and I'm thinking to myself, and then right on the heels of that, here comes Hitler and the rise of Hitler and, you know, the, the great depre- the, the stock market crashes. All, all things started happening. And you know history does repeat itself after a course of time. You realize that. We've been taught that over, over a course of our life. So we're living in a time that somebody needs to be able to tell us where are we, what are we, who are we, and where do we go? What do we do? So over the last several months, the Lord spoke to me over the summer and very clearly and said, to me, Psalm 85, and, Psalm, and we're not going to read Psalm 85 because it'll take too long, but I've got other scriptures I'm going to get to. But in Psalm 85, it, it's written at a time when the children of Israel had just come out of 70 years of captivity, of slavery, of bondage in the Babylonian system. And here they were, 70 years, almost two generations of people that learned to live under the control of government systematic control, tyranny. Uh, They were able to work, live, but they really weren't free. It had a sense of freedom, but it really wasn't free. And I look back at that, and the Lord said, that's kind of where we are now, because over the last couple of generations, or last last generation specifically, we got people now that are in their early 20s, or in their 20s, that they 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 weren't even alive when, you know, uh, 9-11 happened. Over the last two or three decades, Government employment and, and, and government programs have just gone through the roof. Lots of them. And people have learned to become dependent or, or at least look to the government for decisions and choices and answers. So much so you can see it in some of our, even our recent elections where, my gosh, you know, the world's going to end if it happened the way it happened this last two, in 2000. And we just see people out of, in control and out of control at the same time. And I say all that to say this, is when you have a generation of people like the children of Israel that had come out of Babylon, when they come out and it's time for them to really truly rule and reign and live in freedom and create life for themselves and the next generation, they don't know how to do it. So they have to listen to the voice, the leader, a trumpet, somebody that's saying, this is what the Lord is saying. This is how this happens. So God raised up a man named Nehemiah. He raised up a prophet named Ezra. Haggai, all these guys were living and contemporaries during that time and began to speak to those children of Israel saying, we have to rebuild the wall. We have to have laid the foundation. We've got to get our place of worship back. The whole purpose of the whole thing was a place where we could be one, where we could be free, where we could worship God without any inhibitions and any problems or any restrictions. We could worship the Lord, not in a way for us to to try to get him to get us out of Babylon. We've already come out of Babylon. But only, not everybody came out of Babylon. Some stayed. Some said, no, we're fine here because at least I'm safe. It's a picture of just what happened in the children of Israel in Egypt when they came out. Some of them got out and they went, oh my God, I'd rather go back. At least we had onions and garlic over there. At least, it, at least we had some security. When you're, when you're pioneering, when you're trailblazing, when you're leading the way, 
when you're coming out of the place that God says it's time for you to come out of in that, in that place of bondage and you come out in this new place, trailblazing and pioneering and leading the way and stepping into uncharted waters for your life is scary. It, because you have to leave what feels like security to step out into this thing. For example, you, you lose a loved one and you're going, oh God, I got one or two choices here. I can, I can decay right where I'm at or I, I, have to, I have to move forward. And the hardest part in the world is to move forward without a frame of reference of what we're moving forward looks like. Not even knowing. So the children of Israel had to come out of this place. And many of us are in that same place in some area of our life where the Lord creates an initiative in your life, circumstances in your life, change, job changes, uh, sickness, disease, death, whatever it might be, something that caused your world to be rocked is typically a sign for God to say, it's time to go to the next chapter. And when you turn the page, it's so much easier if it's already written and you can read it. The hardest part about the walking with God is it's already written, but we haven't yet read it. We're learning it for the first time. You're reading the words on the page of your book that God wrote you in, and you're reading it for the first time going, oh my God, I'd rather go back to read the previous page, because it was familiar to me. I, I've read that. I'd rather rehearse the old season than try to pioneer a new one. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The children of Israel in the same place. So they brought them forward and they were coming out. They had to, to uh, decompress all of these thoughts that had been in their mind because living in a free world is different than living under a controlled environment. When, when you're living, used to living in restrictions, and now you're over here going, all things are possible with the Lord. And now they're looking, going, how do we, how do, we do this? So I took you back, if you remember, and I thought the best way to go about this is to take you back and show you what the Bible says in the book of Genesis. When I talked to you and showed you in, in Scripture about the, the counsel that was in heaven before God ever created anything. And I don't know why God does it, but he does. He chooses to use us in his creation, in his navigation, in his governing, in, in our decisions. If you don't believe that, he brought Adam, all those animals, and said, whatever you want them to be, right? God has a council in heaven. He has all these hosts of heaven, angelic forces in heaven. He has all of those things up there in this unseen realm. And then there's us down here in the seen realm. And we're to cooperate as one family them and us together that make this realm look and mirror that realm. Are you following? That realm has no sickness. That, that has no disease. That has no sorrow. We, 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 we preach about that, that, that scene, don't you think? One day when we get there, that's going to be there. What, do you think that's going to happen when we get there or do you think that's already happening? When Jesus did what he did, it finished it. Right? So all of that in the unseen realm of the spirit is available to us today. It's available to us to, to utilize, to harmonize with, to work in concert with, to, to go out. And you not only are now navigating your own life forward in this life that's seen, you have unseen forces that are working for you. But as you have unseen workers for you, you have unseen forces against you. Yes. 
right? And it's an incredible regime that he has set up because he sets it up just like we would set up what we have here even in the country where you have territories and you have princes and, 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 and leaders in demonic realms that are over territories all the way down to assign to you. Right? Right? Before Jesus died on the cross, it was us against them. We were fighting everything we could within the flesh. But when Jesus died, resurrected, and then came and dwells in us now by the Spirit, everything changed. Because now, nothing in that realm of the unseen that's demonic can hold you back. It can resist you, but it can't stop you. If you know what you need to know. Here's the challenge. We are so versed in Egypt, we're so versed in Babylon, that the church of the New Testament has believed a religious lie that says there's more yet to come that Jesus has to do. So we think the jury is still out and the battle hasn't been completely won. We think it's in limbo. I'm telling you, in the unseen realm, the battle is won. Right? If you see through the lens that shows you Jesus still has... I'll give you an example. If you say, and your prayer life is this, Father, Lord, in Jesus' name, I need you to do this, this, and this. You are still living by the letter and living before the cross. Jesus is not going to do Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John again. You are now Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right? Jesus had a ministry for four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in this second realm, this dimension of earth, and he worked with, in concert with the angels of heaven. Overthrowing works of darkness in the earth and in the unseen realm. Overthrowing them, just knocking them down left and right, casting them out, scattering them, destroying the works of the devil and the enemy. Why was he doing that? Because he was forging ahead, showing us what, it's, what we're supposed to be like and live in a, in a state of dominion in this life. Right? But then he says to the disciples, he says, it's important that I go away. Because when I go away, I'm going to come back into you. I have to go away. The disciples were, we've talked about this, were, were dis- disheartened. Because here's the guy that's doing all this work, that's showing us how it is, that, that we probably picked fights for and he finished. You know, we, we picked him and he finished him. Pick a fight with you know, somebody and Jesus, go get Jesus. Jesus come fix it. I'll go get Jesus if I have to. Right? So we're, we're seeing that demonstrated in life. Then he comes in and says, I have to go away. Because when I go away, I'm going to come into you. And it's going to be different. Because I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm going to give you the comforter. And the comforter is going to comfort you in times of trouble. And you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. You have overcome, I have overcome the world. So will you. Right? When? When I go away and I come back. The line of demarcation is the cross, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension, and him seated at the right hand of the Father. When he is seated at the right hand of the Father means the Spirit of God comes into us. And sins on the day of Pentecost. When that happened, now he t- thrown the, through the torch to us, 
and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you, and you, and you, and the Gospels continue to be written, the Matthew according to Cat, the Matthew according to John, the Ma- that John, the Matthew, <laughs> Rhonda, Matthew, the, you see what I'm talking about? Now, why? Because Jesus took a new role. His role went from being the priest on the earth and the mediator walking here to now he's king of kings and lord of lords, seated, governing all of heaven and all of earth and under the earth. His role changed. He became the high priest. He is forever living to make intercession for you. He's not somebody that you go to and say, Father, I'm talking to you in Jesus' name. I need you to harmonize. Here, Jesus, jump in here with me. I, 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 need, I need healing from my body. Tell him, Jesus. I need healing. See, that's how we see it sometimes. I know it made it sound funny, but the truth is, when our posture is still that Jesus has something yet has to say. Jesus is, has spoken. He lives to represent his spoken word that was spoken. He now lives to make intercession. The fact that he's alive is the intercession that stands between you and anything that's trying to stop you. Does that make sense? So he's a high priest. We can't take him off the high priest role to bring him back down here to be a gospel person. We need him to be the high priest. Because the only way he can be the high priest is roll back the page like we like to try to do in our life and roll back the page before we die. We can't afford him to... <laughs> we need him being the intercession. Living to make intercession. And here's the beautiful part about it. Because he lives to make intercession, you live to make intercession too. So you can drive down your neighborhood and stand in the gap for your neighborhood. You can walk through your house and stand in the gap for your house. You can stand in the gap and walk through your house for your family, for your spouse, for your children. Your, are you following me? How, why? Because we're, he's forever living to make intercession. We're forever living to make intercession. Ha! He loves me. Let's go here. I got 10 minutes to, to drink, for you to drink the Kool-Aid and eat the wafer. That'll be a sound bite that somebody will use against us one day. I promise you. <laughs> and I really don't care. Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 4. No, I'm sorry. Second Corinthians chapter 3, Sam. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4. And we'll go through five verses real quick, real quick. And then we'll... I'm going to bring this all together for us. This is, this is how... Keep in mind, when Jesus ascended, the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the saints changed. We are not beggars any longer. We are not needy any longer. You got past something that's potent. You got something in your hands. You got something inside of you. And I'll tell you what it is. It's the word that lives inside of you. And if you know the word, the word will set you free. The truth. Right? Here's where we go. And we have such trust to Christ toward us, toward God. Not that we are sufficient, look at here, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient, look at it, as ministers of the new covenant. Let me stop right here for a second. Why I believe that we're stepping out of that Psalm 85 days and the United States church, or the American church, the world, the, the Christian church, the world church that really is Christ, 
a remnant of people that believe that are not a part of some sort of ridiculous religion, but are a part of something that really is God doing something, right? They're really Christ-centered and Christ-reality. What I believe is as, as clear as the 70 years were up and the children of Israel stepped out, the ones that would, we are in the same line of demarcation. We're stepping over into today, 2023, with all the ruckus and craziness that's going on around us, all the wars that are happening in Israel and all over the, the world, all the, the upheaval that's happening here, the protest, all, all the, the lines that are developed, the division, the anger, the hate, all are brought from a people that have been under the control of government systems for years. So they're angry. And how they manifest anger is everybody does it differently. I don't get mad at people that get crazy. Because you know what? I might be crazy sometime and if, if somebody pushed the right button. Right? There's something that would cause us all to kind of get off the rocker just a little bit. Mess with your kids and I'll tell you, you know what I'm talking about. You see you know what I'm talking about? So you start getting frustrated and you get mad at people and you're going, oh man, this crazy. That's a sign that something is changing. And what's changing is there is a pool of people. God is drawing out his people from the religious system of control. Because church, 80s, 90s, and 2000s was... We ran a lot of control in church. A lot of spiritual abuse that happened in church. And how that was demonstrated is we would tell you how to live your life. And if you didn't live your life, you're going to hell. If you didn't do it like we told you to do it, you're on your way to hell. Right? We would impose our convictions on other people. And somebody would say, well, that's what the word says. That's what the word says. Listen, for every word you can say against Somebody can tell you a word for. Amen. Right? You gotta rightly divide it. Right? right? But, I, but I sit under preachers, I know good friends of mine that would hold the Bible up and say, I believe every word in this Bible. I do too. I just don't understand what it means all the time. I'm glad you're an authority on it. But not, not everybody is. Right? And let me know how it's working for you. You might, you might know every word in the Bible. But I don't know if you know this, Pastor. <laughs> I, had a, I had a conversation with a guy one time. He was an older guy. He was a good fella. But man, he was just mean. And he would just stand up and beat you. You know? Yeah, I'm telling you right now. Yeah. He, he was in a church service one time. And there was a group of kids, young people, teenagers sitting over there. And he started, he started in on them of talking over here preaching. They were talking. We didn't have phones back then. But he was, they were talking. And he stopped and went, hey, hey, you know how much I love you? What we gonna say? No. When I say the group of kids over there, that was me. I was in that group. Okay, just let you know. I'm looking up. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we know you love us. And now we're all embarrassed. You know, he's going. He, instead of letting it go, he had to come back. You got to be quiet, parents. I need you to help me with these children. Now let's get on with the word. There ain't nobody in the word. At that point, there was ice water poured in the whole place. And if there was fire burning, it's all it's gone now. And what I'm saying is, it's just, and I told him after the thing, he comes to me, he goes, you guys, you, you're just, I said, well, you called us out. I said, I don't think I've ever had a conversation with you outside of that one. <laughs> yeah, he said, man, he said, you're right. He said, you're exactly right. I said, and I'm, I'll be honest with you, my only, you know, far away distance relationship with you is sometimes you're mean. You're mean. He said, I'm not mean. I said, and this is what I said to him. And it was, I think I had one more service after that and then I left. But 
That's what I said. This is a true story. When I said that, I said, I know your son. You're me. He told me you're me. <laughs> Dude, we need to do communion right now, don't we? <laughs> yeah. What I'm telling you, though, is not even knowing. The guy had a great heart, but he was taught that way, brought up in seminary that way, and he was leading the, leading the sheep that way, right? We all have been under something like that, in the, even in our church world. And now we're coming into the church world, and now the message is saying, hey, you've got to learn to live in freedom. You've got to learn to understand freedom. That doesn't mean you can do anything you want to do. You, you could do it, but it's not good for you. And now nobody's going to tell you how to live your life. You're going to have to grow up and learn to live your life yourself. And that's hard. Small groups and relationships will help minister and disciple because we're supposed to disciple people. But I think we've made discipleship as people make, make it people just like us. And Jesus said in Matthew 23, you guys will travel all across the world to convert somebody and you'll make them just like a, a minister of hell just like you are. That's the last thing we want. Because God made you, like Charlie said, unique and diverse on the inside of you. His goal is for you not to walk in sin. His goal is for you to walk in holiness. His goal is for you to walk in the rightness of God. His goal for you is to do that. But if I have to curtail your behavior every Sunday, we had a problem. Are you, are you all following me? You've got to learn to live in this world that's chaotic with an unlimited kingdom that's available and possible for you. It's possible for you. And you've got to learn to live in it and learn from your mistakes and our mistakes and get up and keep right on going. It's hard to live in freedom. I'd rather somebody just tell me, do I buy a blue car or a red car? It's not in the Bible. Because somebody religious come by and say, it says white horse. Might be a white one. <laughs> Let's keep going. Also who made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. The new covenant is what we're, because here's why. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. Yes. The covenant of the new is a covenant of the spirit. Yes. It's not a covenant of a bunch of rules on rocks. It's a covenant of the spirit. Which means you have inside of you everything I have inside of me. And I have everything inside of me, the same thing that Jesus had deposited on him the day of he was baptized and the spirit was descending. That means we don't have a less than, a junior, a portion, and a partial. We got it all inside of you. Watch. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. But if the minister of ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious... So that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more glory. Moses had glory on his face, came down off that mountain with those Ten Commandments, and they couldn't even look on him in his face. But as time went on, the glory faded off his face. The covenant that we're a part of the glory didn't fade. You got it, you got it. You get it, you get it. It's in there, it's in there. You have a far more exceedingly great promise in you. It seals the deal. It puts sin to shame at, 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 at one point and forever. 
When the moment you come in knowledge of this covenant, this is what Christ has done for you, you're going to see everything changes. Your past is forgotten and your future is bright. Now, what do we do with our future? Keep repeating our past? No. Now you've got something in front of you that's brand new. You've got a, a, a slate that's clean. And you've got to learn to live in the places of freedom to create everything God called you to create. If you're not creating and you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. And I've been in my life at times where I feel like I'm managing something and I just keep managing it and managing it and time just keeps moving on and I keep managing it and it creates frustration. No, 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 no. You're in a place right now that all things become new and there is nothing impossible for you. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, 18. This is right after Paul is writing and saying, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things are passed away, Behold, all things become new. Now, all things are of God. Who has, not will, not thinking about it, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, what is, that God was in Christ reconciling all the Christians to himself. Oh, this, is, this, is, this is where the religion hits you. Yes, yes. This is where the spirit of religion rises up in you going, who does he think he is? No. That God was in Christ reconciling who? Yes. Everybody. Yes. Not just the ones that think like us. Do you know who come up with the sinner's prayer? It wasn't Paul in Romans 10, 9 and 10. That didn't want to know all that means. Billy Sunday in 1930s was having all these incredible evangelistic revivals. And there were so many people there and getting saved and coming to the altars and doing what he was calling them. He, he, he couldn't get to every one of them. So he takes Romans 10, 9, and 10 and calls it the sinner's prayer. And what we do, we make it a part of our doctrine. So when somebody comes up to the altar, repeat after me. I was watching Fox News, of all things, the other day. And somebody, an, an evangelist gets online and says, hey, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. And I think it's admirable. I think it's incredible we have that opportunity for 30 seconds to get on national TV, or international TV, and say these words. If you want to follow Jesus, he loves you. He's forgiven you of your sins. He died on the cross. That's incredible. What an opportunity. Then he goes on to say, if you want to receive him, if you want to see, receive him, say this prayer after me. And he says, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Right? If you prayed that prayer, yeah, listen. Oh, God. If you prayed that prayer, great. But I'm telling you something. I just told you news. Now you've got to deal with it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He died on a cross, buried in a grave, resurrected on the third day. Now he lives forevermore. What are you going to do with it? Now what? I don't know if I believe that. Okay, I'm talking to the other guy. Oh, I don't know if I believe. I'm talking to the other guy. Yeah. Let me find one that will believe because these signs follow them that believe. Yeah. That's right. Amen. That's right. I'm not here to get you. I'm not here to get my numbers up. Yes. I'm not here to count our baptisms as we can meet a quota. I, uh, I'm here to tell you that I'm here to tell you the good news. Yes. What are you going to do with it? Amen. I'm giving you an opportunity of life. 
for life, from life. God has reconciled the world to himself through Christ. That is not something to consider. It's something that was, had happened. It's news. It's documented. It changed everything. Whether somebody believes it or doesn't believe it doesn't change the fact it happened. I can say to you guys, listen, man, it's, 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 it's 65 and sunny today. And so when I sit here and go, I don't believe it. It doesn't matter what you believe. It's 65 and sunny. Go out there and experience it. Listen, if God reconciles you to him, he's going to be good to you whether you're good or not. The least you could do is consider his goodness. And if you consider his goodness, you'll turn and be good. Why? Because it's the goodness of God that draws a man to repent. Are you following this? As committed to the world of the word. Now we have the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled. What's he saying? The message is not Jesus. Hurry up and come back and get this crazy world in shape. That's not the message. The message is you and I are reconciled ministers of Christ. We are the go-between. We're the intercessors. We stand in the gap for those that can't stand in the gap for themselves. Are you, are you with me? And your job and my job is to tell them, I don't know if you know it or not, but he's already reconciled you to himself. You don't have to live like that. There's a way out. There's a way into life and a way out of death. There, and it's not a matter of if you do this and you say it, you'll go to heaven one day. If you don't do it, you're going to go to hell. No, the message is you can live in the spirit in the heavenly realm today or you can live in hell today. The choice is yours, but I've got to tell you the good news is you don't have to. Are you with me? And it's not just to that, to tell them that are lost, it's to us that are saved. We have all the promises of Christ are the yeses and the amens. One more verse. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Psalm 85 is ending. The trumpet is blowing. And it's not the trumpet that's going to, from Gabriel, that's going to have Jesus coming in on a cloud. If that happens, we're going to be okay anyway. Right? But if it doesn't happen, here we are. The trumpet's blowing. Come out of religious control. Come out of governmental dependency. Come out of your fear and insecurity. Come out of your past mistakes and, and, and failures. Come out from all of the fears and worries and it's insufficiency. Come out from all of that. And can you trust him for this next season? That he is really on your side. And you're not trying to get him to do something. He has already done it. And what your job and my job is to do is to dig in and pull it out of what he's already done. 
We hope you are enjoying today's show. We believe that God has given us a voice to impact communities and regions all over the world. If you would like to make sure that voice is heard, please partner with us today by visiting www.expressionradio.org and click donate. You can also text give by texting the dollar amount followed by the word radio to the number 84321. First time text givers, please choose Expression Church of Huntington when prompted. All gifts are tax deductible. Join us as we change the world.